Hello, yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums to be, and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported, and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. Hello, Jay. Hello, Sophie. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Not too bad. It's been an up and down week. I've got some um, funny tales of sleep to tell this week. Oh, do tell. Well, you go first. You're on school holidays. (laughs) Okay, yeah, Yeah. I am. Look, it's only day one of school holidays for me. So, so far, so good because I've worked half the day with you. And two of your kids went to daycare. Your nine-year-old and your three-year-old went to daycare. So, my nine-year-old absolutely loved Yumi's daycare and they absolutely love her because all the toddlers love having a child that isn't like well, she would seem like super cool oh, and she's grown so up. cool and she loves it she yeah, loves it because everyone thinks she's super cool yeah and everyone's <laughs> listening to her but Yumi yeah. <laughs> so she's loving it so look I think it's a mum hack actually if you've got a child hack. that's at school and a child that's at daycare offer up your school child to help during out. school holidays to help out absolutely God, I just don't even know when I'm giving those hacks away anymore. So I thought I'd just update everyone about myself, which is... It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a little bit of a time. I did have a little bit of a hiatus with talking about it because it got pretty deep and I got pretty overwhelmed that I didn't want to share anything about what I was going through. So if anyone's new here and hasn't been following along the potty, I've been battling for years on and off mental health issues in terms of anxiety and panic and depression. I had a bout of postnatal depression with my third child and just recently I've had a big sort of dip in the road with uh, depression and it led me to the point of having to swap medications for the first time in Oh gosh, I was on medication when I was 18. I'm now 34, so we can all try and do the math there. But my doctors who I've been seeing, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, and my GP have all been working together to try and work out what is going on with my brain and how we can get it to the best it can be. And I have to really thank every single one of them because there is a reason that they all do their jobs. They do different things and all of those people have gotten me where I am today. So basically I've gone off my medication that I have been on for years and I had to wean myself off that. That was a huge process to do because you get a lot of side effects and you don't feel well, you feel very dry mouth, anxious. It's just not a nice time. Then I had to have a time where I wasn't on any medication at all to go on the new medication because they couldn't be mixing. So I have been doing that in the past few weeks and I had an appointment with my psychologist a couple of weeks ago and she said, how are you going on the new medication? And I said, this is going to sound really weird, but I feel really bored. And she laughed and she said, why, why do you feel bored? And I said, because I just feel calm, like I feel well rested in my brain. And she said, 
Jade, that's literally because you have been in fight or flight mm. for fucking weeks now. Like, so were you perceiving it as a negative but it's actually a positive? Yeah, I was very unsure going, oh, this has dumbed me down. She's like, this is actually what normal emotions and normal people feel. Like obviously I have a side of, you know, a bit of dry mouth and a little bit of nausea and just my my body adjusting. Yeah, like but- you vomited in a bush in Sydney <laughs> did. after eating some banana bread. <laughs> did. But... It's actually me not reacting in such a reactive way. It's me just going, this is life and I don't have to be so on edge all the time, which is a really big relief. Oh, it's a massive relief. And like as much as I'm feeling good and feeling bored, (laughs) it's, it's a nice feeling to have and it's also with the combination of seeing a therapist, it's made me realize that when you wake up every day, just because you're feeling anxious or you're feeling grumpy, angry, moody, pissed off, that doesn't mean that you're not going to have a good day or it doesn't mean that you're not allowed to feel any of those feelings. I'm learning now that if I am feeling really off or I'm feeling anxious, that I accept that that is just how I'm going to be today Mm. and that's all right because what I'm starting to do is listen to my body. When I'm feeling anxious, I actually now go instead of, oh, fuck, I'm feeling anxious, I've got to stop this feeling, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I actually go, why why are you feeling? Like what's the reason Mm. behind why you're feeling this? And when I get to that reason or if I don't know, I pause the stresses in my life that I can, not the kids, but like work (laughs) and things like that, And I take time for myself where I force myself to have a bath. I do now do 30-second cold showers at the end of every shower because it resets my neurological fucking whatever they are. Mm. And these things are the small steps that are making me feel like a better human being. And I'm trying to understand that with those really good days, which are great, I feel great when I'm having them, you were just so so allowed to have really vulnerable days and days where you do nothing and days where you watch a TV show and that is so okay. And I feel weird saying it because it's such a simple thing to say now that I'm saying it, but for someone that is so caught up in anxiety, so caught up in being productive and so tightly strung, to be relaxed and have a clearer mind with the help of medication, with the help of conversation, with the help of my podcast, the support of my family, you, my listeners especially, like what I get in my inbox saying thank you, I just can't thank everyone else enough. So, look, I'm sure that it won't be the last time I have a mental breakdown and you know what, for the first time in my life, that's actually okay. So, wow. Yeah, look, it's been a big year. It's been a massive year. That's such a change though because a couple of months ago you I won't listen to that episode. Don't listen to it, but you said I can't go through this again and now you're already saying, oh, wow, yeah. You know, it might happen again and that's okay. Well, don't bring it on. We don't want to wish it on. No, no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that's We're not quite ready yet. (laughs) (laughs) Give me a few months. (laughs) No, but that is a huge turnaround. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's hear your sleep thing. No, well, it's quite it's so not important in comparison it is to what important. you've just, it's just said. Different. It is, but it's also so ironic that I'm saying this in the intro of this episode because once you listen to this, you will hear about <laughs> Ash and her schedules and her sleep training and everything, which is so good. I'm an advocate for sleep training. We 
you wouldn't believe it now, but we <laughs> did sleep train our children. But sleep, I do not know what has happened to sleep in our house. And no, to be honest, everyone sleeps through the night. It's just fucking musical beds. Honestly, it's comical. We don't know who by the morning is going to end up where. I was always like, I sleep with my husband in bed. No one else sleeps there. Like the last little while it's been Poppy's in bed with me. He's in Poppy's bed with Goldie. They're in or they're in the spare room. The whole thing has gone out the window. And to be honest, we've just surrendered to it because we're like, we're tired. This is how we get a full night's sleep. And also on top of that, Goldie's decided, well, we had to kind of decide for her. She's only two and a half and she doesn't want to nap anymore. And you know what? When we came to that decision, I was like, pit of my stomach, dreading it. How are we already here? Like, how do I get through an entire day without this child napping? Like she's a busy child. But when I gave into it, I was like, this is so much more enjoyable. She goes to bed easier at night. I don't get anxious thinking about getting her down for a nap because she was putting up such a fight to nap that I was like, I almost all morning I was like working mm. myself up for that. And then once she napped, it made bedtime such a nightmare. So then I would work myself up to be like, oh, get ready for battle at bedtime. And she's also decided she doesn't want to sleep in her cot at the same time, but she's definitely too young to like have impulse control to sleep so in a bed. Well, that's why one of us has just been sleeping with her in a bed because it stops her from getting up yeah. in the middle of the night because I think if she was in the bed on her own... <laughs> Anyway, I don't even know what point I'm trying to make, but sleep is an up and down freaking ride. If you did do sleep training and all of a sudden sleep is looking a little shonky, don't judge yourself. I have no advice. <laughs> and, and I'd love to jump in and say, don't worry, it gets easier because I have a three and a half year old almost that is in my bed. Harry's in Billy's bed. Billy's back in my bed and we're musical beds ourselves and I'm almost over it. We're actually getting a new bed delivered today. So yeah, but I feel like, I feel like <laughs> I do the same. Like I order a new bed and I'm like, then that person's going to sleep there. And then it ends no. up being Nick or I that but are you in know that what? freaking bed. I feel like it's been a while since I've had to try anyone to do anything so I feel like I'm at a like a re- it's the medication well, yeah. <laughs> look at me go do you want to train your I'm kids? ready to train someone can you come over yeah. and train my come kids to get back into their no but I feel like I'm at a well-rested state to put the energy and time into getting Yumi back into a bed mm. so we'll see how I go well, anyway we'll, we'll get into today's episode because yeah. it's actually oh, quite a long one but we yes. speak to the queen, queen of, of reality. reality. I don't know why I say it in an American accent because she's Australian, but it's Ash Pollard. We speak all about her having two kids well under two. It wasn't well just under. under two. I think they're like 15 months yep. apart. How she does it, a reminder, as always, this is Ash's personal story. If you don't want to do a schedule, you do not have to. But, yeah, Ash is a bit of a breath of fresh she's air. Refreshing. I love she's her. Raw. She's just herself. I love her. Yeah. We love this chat, so we hope you enjoy. Enjoy. Hello, Ash. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. For those who are unfortunate enough to not know who you are, (laughs) can you please tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and, yeah, who are you? I'm Ash Pollard and I'm the queen of reality TV. Yeah, girl. Well, my foray into the entertainment industry was through My Kitchen Rules 
And by queen, I, I say that with my tongue in my cheek. <laughs> so I began my career in entertainment through My Kitchen Rules and then after that I went on a number of other shows like Dancing with the Stars, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. I had my own cooking show on Channel 10 at one point, lots of bits and pieces and then ended up with my own radio show on the Hit Network where I broadcast out of New South Wales doing the hit breakfast shows, which was really cool. I did that for four years before I fell pregnant with my first daughter, Clementine, who is 19 months old. And now I have another daughter, Claudette, who is six months old. So I am a mum now. (laughs) You are a busy mother. Yeah. And we are going to chat about two under two today or going to two as well. A lot of our listeners, they have one and they're like, how the fuck do you go to two? Or they're pregnant with the second. And no matter what the age gap is, I think you can kind of translate any of the learnings of two under two to another age gap. We are actually all three of us proud mothers at some point of two under two. Crazy. Mine were 23 months apart. So I feel like you and Jade are utterly mad because I think you're even closer, right? What were your gaps? Mine are 16 months. I'm 15. (laughs) You win. I don't know what you win, but you win. Yeah, you win being the craziest of us all. (laughs) That's what you win. It just wasn't intentional. Both of them were surprises. Okay. um, The irony about that is, is that um, I'll just get straight into it, shall I? Yes. Clementine was conceived at my best friend's wedding and it just is so funny because I said to Pete when the reception was on, we were da- this is Pete's my partner, we were dancing on the dance floor and I said, oh, should we just go back up to the um, house for a quick shag? And um, he was like, yeah, okay, let's bounce. <laughs> So as we were walking back up to the house, which was on the same property as the wedding, I passed my best friend and she said, where are you going? And I said, just going to get Pete to put a baby in me. (laughs) No word of a lie. No word of a lie. He put one in me and here we have Clementine. And then Claudette, I fell pregnant with her when Clementine was four or five months old or something like that. And, again, it was just another one of those rarely shag and you know on the off chance that we did we fall pregnant what went through your head when you found out you were pregnant that second time because that's like you're probably going through like a four-month sleep regression you're like I feel like shit gets really real around that four to five month mark to find out you're pregnant again Oh, it's strange because I'm 36 now. So when I fell pregnant first, I was, what, 34? And I thought that I was going to have issues because I've been on the pill my entire life and I never stopped taking. Like I didn't take the sugar tabs or anything. I just kept going. Like I never got my period. So I thought, my God, I'm going to have problems falling pregnant. So I started like an actual like a troubleshooting thing with my doctor where I went off the pill and then we started doing like tests and things like that. And whilst all that was taking place, she booked me in to see the like gynecologist for an internal examination just to see how my cysts were going on my ovaries because I had some of those as well. And I went into the gynecologist and she put like this long probe up into my vagina And as she went in there, she went, shit. And I was like, 
oh my god I was what like what she found fuck yeah and she said shit again and I'm like <laughs> what thinking oh my god like I've got cancerous ovaries yeah. or something like that. and she said you're pregnant and I just went fuck at the top <laughs> of my lungs and I screamed so hard that the probe shot out of my vagina <laughs> and the woman was like not you know she wasn't expecting my reaction and that was the beginning of my pregnancy with Clementine and then when I fell pregnant again with Claudette I did a wee on a stick because I was like no there's no way I'm pregnant again and it came back with the it's two lines isn't it yeah and I'm like no I'll quickly do another one that's wrong and I did it and I just couldn't believe it what made you do the test I felt so sick and so tired and it was the same feeling that I had in my Mm. first one but I in the first one I didn't know that feeling to be pregnant I just thought it was polycystic ovaries yeah now did you call them Clementine and Claudette to make your life harder or easier (laughs) I didn't realize it was so difficult because yeah look I loved the names I just love the names and I kind of felt like you know they're they're cute they're strong so if either of them beautiful yeah lawyers you know their names will be beautiful on a a plaque outside their corner office do you know what I mean yeah yeah my mum used to say that actually. She'd be like, Jade, you've got to think about what their names will be like, you know, when they're older, you know. What are they going to I'm like, Billy, yeah, she's sweet. That's like an old person's name back in the day. So, and one time this old lady was like, Billy, why would you call your daughter Billy? I'm like, Billy was like in your era. Like I don't know why we're having this conversation. I'm pretty sure you've had like five Billy yeah, friends. Yeah. But yeah. I'm just laughing because I'm one of three and I have two brothers and I feel like never in my upbringing was I ever called the right name. So I can only imagine if you've got two girls that, you know, the start of the names. <laughs> but I guess if you just say Claire, someone's going to come running, like someone's going to come help you. Yeah. Or they'll both run in the other direction, one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't intentional to call them both names that started with C. Claudette was going to be Polly, but then I decided that Claudette was stronger than Polly, so Polly is her middle name. And and Cute. Polly is kind of an ode to my surname, Pollard. Yeah. Yeah, that's gorgeous. That so the most common question was why and how, and I say that with capital letters. That was the majority that came in. And you said it was a surprise for you to have your second I chose to have a close age gap. I'm not sure why, but I fell pregnant when Mia was eight months old. And I was just like, why not? Let's do it. I'm not going to lie. It was the hardest thing and the hardest age gap. Well, I've had two different ones. So I've got the four and a half gap and then the 16 month. 16 month, holy shit breaking yeah. my balls, but now phenomenal. phenomenal. Yeah. How old are they now? They're, they're eight and nine. Oh, God, you're ahead of me. Yeah, and it's a dream. Like, honestly, they fight, but they're like they're like twins. How old are you? Yeah, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm old. I'm 35. No, I'm not. I'm 34. I'm 35 in October. Okay, well, started young. Started young, Started yeah. when I was yeah. 25. Oh, you know, like, I don't know, am I a minority these days because I'm starting older? No way. No, I disagree. No, no way. Not that it matters, obviously. I think you're more the norm. Yeah. To answer that question, like, like how and why, 
there was, well, how um, I used a penis, <laughs> you know, like I used Pete's penis and fell pregnant that way. And why? I can't answer that because it wasn't intentional, but both of the babies were surprises. You know, I joked that I said I was going to get Pete to put a baby in me at the wedding, but that was an actual joke. Pete and I both were so obsessed with our careers and in entertainment, it's really hard to get to where you need to be. And so you don't want anything to derail your trajectory because if you do, you'll get steamrolled really quickly by somebody else coming up in the ranks and especially with all these reality TV shows coming out at the moment. You know, people just come and they go really fast. And as a woman, and this is for any industry, I think, you know, people are petrified of falling pregnant because they're like, what the fuck is going to happen to my job when I leave? And I feel like companies champion women these days, you know, will support you, whatever, and they can say that, but when reality hits, often they'll either try and boot you out mm-hmm. and pretend they're, you know, doing good by you, but they're not. And that's what it was for me. I wasn't thinking about children. I knew I wanted to have kids, but I wasn't like rushing because I was like 34. Oh my God, quick. I didn't care about my age. I just knew where I needed to get to with my career. And then I thought I needed to have kids, but I would never have planned having kids. So the surprise is exactly how it had to happen for me. I think it's similar. Like there's been this outpour of judgment of, is it Jamie Chung, who's the actress in America who recently admitted that she had a surrogate for her twins because she didn't want to take a year away from her career to be pregnant. And there was a lot of backlash about that, like, oh, you're so vain, like as if you can't take a year off. And I was like, how about instead of judging the woman and judging the mother, we judge the industry that doesn't allow, like, you know, she's obviously done that for a reason. Like that's not just an easy thing to organise. And, you know, as you said, it's actually the industry that has to change to allow you to have that space. And I don't think they will. I just don't think they will for, I mean, they might, but I don't see them changing now. Because there's just so many other people waiting in line. Because we're, as viewers of television, as consumers of entertainment, consumers are getting bored really quickly. You know, we get bored and the the networks know that. So they need to be ever-changing as well. And, you know, I just, look, I don't know, like it's just shit. It's fucked. It's so annoying. So you've got to be, you know, I was having this conversation with a makeup artist last night who's a friend and I'm like, we we actually have to do things that are like opportunity costs. I know that I'm going to have to go back and start doing lame events that I don't want to be yeah. at so that, you know, and that's like. I'm I mean, just going to, I'm going to laugh at you when I see you at an event in the next few months <laughs> and go, yeah, she thinks this one's dead lame. <laughs> some aren't lame, but some don't. <laughs> I would prioritise being at home with my kids over going to an event. Yeah. But sometimes that's what I'm going to have to do. You have to, to show do. face. Yeah, because that's my industry mm. and it is brutal. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I wasn't necessarily planning on having children at that point in time in my life. Don't think I would have. So what was it like having a baby and being pregnant at the same time? Oh, backbreaking. I was on crutches when I was with Claudette because I had severe pelvic girdle pain to the point that I could hardly walk. 
So picking up Clementine was an absolute chore and and Clementine, oh God, I had to in the end. I didn't want to, but I had to put her in daycare and I, I'd spent a year of her life. She'd spent a year of her life with me at home. You know, I was her full-time carer and because I could no longer do it physically, I had to put her in daycare just for the last few months of the pregnancy and, gosh, that was just such a relief to to get those few days where I could relax or get things in order. But Mm. I didn't like being pregnant both times. Were you really sick? So sick. I was, you know, vomiting and dry retching for a good, well, for the whole of the first trimester Mm. and then a little bit of the second. So I was a mess and then I got fucking terribly swollen everywhere. You know, it was just like you name it, I pretty much had it. And I think people, they want to know the question as to how do you physically and mentally do it when you're supposed to, like you have your first child, you can, if you're not working, you can sleep in, you can have your moments of rest. But when you are parenting a baby and you are pregnant with a baby, it is incredibly challenging to make sure you're doing all the right things and feeding that child and feeding the right things for you for this child. How did you make all of it work? I didn't a lot of the time. You know, I was just fumbling my way through it and using a lot of my intuition a lot of the time like it's weird people people ask questions like how did you do it and I'm like well fuck I don't know but when when things are thrust upon you something happens and you just learn you just adapt and you know yeah you might ask some questions of some other people or you do what is sort of comfortable for you and in my case I didn't have any family around to help me so I was alone doing it pretty much and Pete was working all the time so I had to do everything solo and it's time management but also what I will say and this is where a bit of money does come into play here you need to outsource like don't be cleaning your house you need to pay for a cleaner you know if you can afford that putting your first kid in daycare a couple of days a week is like to me a necessity because you if you take on too much you will break or you'll burn out and then you're even in worse, you're you're in a worse situation for giving birth and then, you know, the care after the fact. Mm. If you can't afford a cleaner or you can't afford daycare, utilise your friends and family and have absolutely no shame about it because that's what family is for. And I am eternally frustrated by family members that don't pitch in. It's your job. I don't care what people say. If someone says, oh, I've done it, I've already had my kids and I don't need to look after your kids, I'm sorry. But, yes, you fucking do. You 100% do because you had your kids and you knew very well that your kids are going to have kids. So you need to pitch in. I always say to my younger brother, I'm like, can you guys please wait a few years before you have kids so that I'm no longer in that like really thick of it toddler stage so that I can help because I'm like, there's no point, like, because my older brother has kids the same age as me. I'm like, there's no point of all of us being in the thick of it at the same time because yeah, no one can help out. the other one. Yeah. And I actually um, do think like my husband was away over the weekend and I needed some help with some things. And I think if you give 
people want to help, you've just got to give them the role. And it's really hard sometimes to even know like where or how, like, you know, when your world feels like it's exploding, it can be really hard to know like what could actually be helpful now, you know, and people are so quick to say, oh, just let me know if you need help with anything, but you've got to actually give them a task. And then often that's the hardest part. And then they're stoked to do the rest. They just need to be given that task. It's almost like if you're somebody that's offering help, and, and people often do this to me, you know, can I help you? And sometimes in my head I'm like, yes, I want help, but I don't actually know what I'm asking for. Mm. So maybe as a person that wants to help, maybe just straight up say, here are five options. Oh, that's great. That I want to suggest, you know, like can I cook you a meal? Can I come over in your baby's awake time? Give them the bottle, walk them around the block, do a bit of tummy time with them so that you can go and do the groceries or fucking whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. name out five things that they can choose. I'll, I'll have number one, thanks, yeah. or actually number four will be great. Yeah. And then hand down those other four things to another four people and that whole list is just done. And for God, please don't cook a lasagna. No, <laughs> no one wants your fucking lasagna, all right? Their freezer is already stocked with lasagna. Every variety of lasagna. It's the that's first possible. meal that people think of. Because it keeps well. Oh, does I it? think, yeah. Just no, because you don't want to be more fat than you already are. <laughs> <laughs> so, what meal would you would you like prepared? Oh, well, <laughs> where do I begin? <laughs> I, I don't know, like a salad. <laughs> yeah. Just you know, a salad with some protein in it or something that's a bit filling. Not not a lasagna, just not a lasagna. Yeah. When you're actually in that newborn phase, I feel like lots of people drop around frozen stuff where it's helpful to have some frozen stuff. But actually, sometimes you want just fresh things you can grab from the fridge. Like one of my friend's brought round bite-sized snackable things. So like some mini quiches, some mini sausage rolls, some bliss balls. And I was like, that's great. That's something that I don't even really have to heat up. Like it tastes fine cold. I can eat it with one hand. There's no mess in preparation. Like I feel like even sometimes defrosting something is like, nah, that's beyond me. Yeah, I don't, I don't oh eat God, I just had an awesome idea. See, okay, so I've just pre-made myself a salad sandwich, right? Yeah. Fantastic. So like why wouldn't you bring over a beautiful loaf of fresh bread and then in a Tupperware container have like sections of grated carrot, cheese, cut up cucumber, some lettuce, so they can make their own sandwich Yes. We're solving the world's problems here. You just need to nourish these bitches that have had kids. You, know you what do. I mean? You do. And do their laundry. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. One more thing. Tell. Pay for a cleaner. Yes. If yes. You're, if you're offering gifts, like, don't give a muslin wrap, no thanks. Pay for their cleaner, like for two goes or something, things like that. Practice. Or level up and get a doula for six weeks postpartum. Like, I know we're really, <laughs> yeah. really going for it. Okay. Which what, friend is this you for? Know, how rich are you? <laughs> no, I, I, I'm just saying. How much that's are you earning from this podcast? I, <laughs> <laughs> I You're not getting see. it, Sophie. You're not getting it. I need to see your paychecks. <sighs> Now, how did you, how did your body feel going through? Did you go through labor both times? Did you have vaginal births? Like, how did that feel doing it in such quick succession? Well, my first birth, I uh, labored naturally, but I was induced. And to be frank, I should never have been induced. That was a really shit 
piece of advice from the doctor because we were in the middle of COVID. I didn't have enough of a support group to ask, like, is this the right thing that I should be doing? So that's that's all hell. And then I, from the induction, then went into labour and I laboured for 24 hours and in the end I couldn't, like I just wasn't dilating. So I had to be rushed into emergency for an emergency cesarean and let me tell you I hated it I hated every minute of it I was traumatized for months after I was so traumatized from all of that just because an emergency cesarean is really stressful and it takes all of the sort of enjoyment and the calm out of everything you've just sort of been doing it just completely fucks it and you never remember it and now all you remember is being rushed down the hallway, um, thrown onto a bed, and you can feel them cutting you open and rifling around in there. All right, there are people, <laughs> there are people about to give birth, and you are scaring the <laughs> shit out of them on the podcast. But what I look, okay, in saying that though, I had another cesarean and it felt different yeah. because the medication that you get when you actually have a a planned cesarean is different to the emergency cesarean. But don't be scared. You know, you can Great cover-up. But also if you've had an emergency cesarean and you're not feeling great afterwards, those feelings are valid too. Absolutely. As you're saying, you didn't enjoy it. You're allowed to have not enjoyed it. That is, like, yeah. Oh, tiptoeing around everything these days is so fucking annoying. Look, it's, I mean, it's not ideal having an emergency cesarean, but you know what is ideal? Having a healthy kid that mm. comes out. It doesn't matter where it comes out, what orifice it comes out. If it comes out and it's good to go, like what else? So the second birth was planned and they they were going to let me do vaginal. They were going to let me do vaginal and I was having it at the Royal Women's, but I got a call literally two days before my due date And it was from Francis Perry House, which is the private hospital above the Royal Women's. And they said, hi, we've got this thing we do for randoms. Uh, We'd like to. (laughs) What? What do they do? (laughs) We'd like to offer you a scheduled caesarean as a public patient in our private hospital. But you have to have the caesarean. You can't have vaginal birth. And you will be with the top surgeons you know like the cream of the crop and I thought oh my god the whole nine months I've been practicing for this fucking vaginal birth this v-back you know what I mean yeah getting ready for it I knew all the risks I'd prepped myself and then he's like hey doll you <laughs> old class treatment <laughs> and I'm like oh my god what do I do and then I thought Oh God, I'm not going to ruin two holes, so I may as well. <laughs> so I dangled I, the carrot. Yeah, and I just felt like, uh, do you know my like my biggest thing with? And it, this is so, it's just so rude that I think this way. But I don't want to share a room with anyone in a hospital. I just don't want to do it. It actually makes me so anxious. Yeah, that's fabulous. Anxious that some other kid is like going to be crying or my baby's going to be crying and keeping the other mum awake and 100%. I can't get all child. So I just was like, okay, I'll do that. Thanks. Yeah. I don't think that's a 
bad thing to say. Like I, you know, had the privilege of going private and one of the top reasons that I did that is because I was like, I want my own room at the end of it. I can't imagine going through labour and then, you know, I know that's not a choice for everyone, but I can't imagine going through labour and then being woken up overnight by someone else's annoying bloody kid. Well, I can. cute as mine. <laughs> I can because I did and I went public with all three of them and I just remember when I had Mia, which is my first child, and I was numb from an episiotomy from here down, and I picked her up by the scruff of her blanket going, oh, I, I guess I just have to, like, pick her up and put her here. And then this baby next to me started crying, and I was just, like, my, my bitchy, mothery instincts kicked in. I was like, oh, my God, can she just not, like, sh- shut that child up? Like, I'm trying to get mine to sleep, and hers is crying, and now I know when I put mine down she's gonna cry and I'm gonna wake hers up like they need to put cement walls in here so we can all just get along peacefully yeah cement (laughs) curtains and you just you're a first time mum so you're like freaking out about everything I know you just what what am I doing after that you're like whatever put me in the hallway I don't care where I am (laughs) yeah did you have any guilt or anything towards the end of your pregnancy that you were having another child so soon or were you like, nah, this is epic, I'm giving Clementine a, a sibling? No guilt, no. Nah, I didn't have any guilt. You know, I, I feel a little bit guilty now sometimes because she she gets a little bit jealous and also I, I feel like maybe I robbed some of those extra months from her you know being alone with her parents but I feel like as long as a child is loved and cared for I think that's enough you know it doesn't matter really that they're so close together and and I think for Clementine Claudette was a blessing because like how cute she gets so excited when she comes home from daycare and sees her sister and it's adorable so I don't I don't feel guilty. I, I actually sometimes feel guilty for Claudette because I don't feel like she gets as much attention as Clementine ever did. And this is one of the biggest questions that came in. Oh, how are we going to like deal with the guilt of our toddler not getting enough attention? And I giggled at that because that toddler gets so much attention that your newborn baby literally has no choice but to sit and wait until the toddler has had their breakfast, their ass yeah. wiped. It's like, no, 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 we've got to deal with you because you are hot You make yourself footed. known. Yeah, and you're yeah. the one that I need to deal with first. They're always getting the attention. I remember laughing at myself because towards the end of my pregnancy I was like, oh, Poppy's going to hate me, you know, she's had us all to herself and this new child's going to come along and, you know, she's just she's just going to hate us. And number one, it was so silly because Poppy was obsessed with Goldie when she's born and it still is even though they fight like mad. And also, secondly, I was just like, ha, 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 you thought that this newborn was going to take any attention off this toddler. Like, It's wild, isn't it? Yeah. It's just, you know, but I understand they're natural feelings to have. And I know a lot of people worry about, you know, not being able to love someone like they love their firstborn and and your heart just grows. You just find space. It, It doesn't get divided. It just grows and you find space to love them all in their unique ways. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's exactly right. And how did you introduce Clementine to Claudette? Well, I brought Claudette home and Clementine was still at daycare. So Pete went to pick her up and, and brought her home and I was in my bedroom 
So we'd been talking about the baby mm. for days and weeks in the lead up, the baby in mummy's tummy. And then, you know, we, we're going to hospital now to go and get the baby and we'll come back. So I'm waiting in my bedroom with Claudette and in comes Clementine and she sits down on the bed and she just kept saying, baby, baby, and pointing and touching and sort of grabbing her face, (laughs) you know, like it was cute. It was really cute. And then she got bored and that was it. It wasn't anything like that. I was like, oh, my God, this is adorable. It wasn't that. (laughs) Yeah, It was like, cool, that's a cool exchange. I'm happy with that. Yeah, yeah. that could have been worse. At 15 yeah. months, like before Claudette was born, like do you feel like there was much comprehension there for Clementine? Not really. Not a, Yeah, not it's right. a bit young. Yeah, it is a bit young. And, you know, her vocabulary was sort of she's not speaking in sentences, she's just words, uh, maybe two words, putting two words together max, mm. you know, now that she's 19 months, she's sentences now. Yeah. But, like, how does a kid get that there's a baby inside your tummy? Well, we joke about this. How weird and foreign is it even to us people who have grown babies in their tummy that you grow yeah. a freaking baby in your tummy and then it exits your tummy and then li- lives in the world? Like how we can expect a toddler to wrap their head around that. I said to Pete, do you know six (laughs) months ago Claudette was a sperm in your ball sack? (laughs) And what did he say? He's like, I've never thought about it like that. (laughs) And it was so strange. (laughs) But Mia was 16 months when we introduced her to her sister and she walked into the hospital. I'll never forget. She walked in, she lifted up my top to see where my stomach was and then pointed over to the cot where the baby was, had a look and went, hmm, I want to go. And that was it. And it was so sad for me because I was like, wow, I was really anticipating and expecting a little bit more, but she just couldn't give two craps. Expect- I mean, we've That's what all I mean, done though. it. Lower we the all want this, like, this beautiful yeah. interaction all the time. And it's like Poppy was more interested in like the, the cakes they had in the tea yeah. room and the fact that there was a long corridor to run down. And Why do you think that is? It's just because we see all these things on social media yeah. that pull at your heartstrings and, you know, this, this, this family's about to introduce the baby to the toddler and the baby the toddler cries and has this amazing reaction like that is not on like that is so (laughs) rare and it's not like it's not reality a lot of the time wait till they get home and then they start putting all the toys they want to show their baby sister or brother and they start piling it on top of their (laughs) face now that's love that's where it all starts the bond I haven't experienced that yet Oh, you will. Have there been any moments of jealousy that you've had to deal with and how have you kind of split your time between the two of them? So jealousy, yeah, it comes in different ways. But for Clementine at the moment, it is like gouging Claudette's eyeballs out. (laughs) No matter how nice and direct I am at saying it because you know you read all these books like the Montessori books and it's like you know 
talk to your child like this and don't do this because then they'll end up mass murderers. Or- <laughs> 100%. I've already stuffed up. <laughs> like, so I'm trying and I've done it like three billion times. So I'm like, Clementine, please be gentle with Claudette. That hurts her. See, she's crying. You don't want to make Claudette upset. And then I'll say that like seven times in three minutes. And then I'll be like, get your fucking <laughs> And then I'll step back and be like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, whoa, like tone it down. And then I'll feel super guilty and I'll be like, come and give mommy a hug, like, sorry, you know. But, you know, you just snap because you're frigging tired and you've asked the toddler 79,000 times, please don't do that. And you know exactly what I'm talking about, toddler. You know what I'm talking about. And the kid just wants that psycho reaction from you. I don't know why. They just want it. They just want any reaction. It's like your partner. They're waiting for it too. Yeah. <laughs> sleep deprivation. Let's talk about it. How do we deal with sleep deprivation when you have with two, two under two? I'm not the right person to ask how to deal with it because I don't. And I have been diagnosed with postnatal uh, anxiety and I was diagnosed with it the first time after Clementine as well. And it was bad. And this second time is probably worse. I went on medication the first time. I tried two different types of medication and none of them felt right for me. They didn't work. And I got tinnitus in my ears on the Mm. second type of med. And I still have tinnitus to this day. So it's incredibly frustrating that that's what happens. And the tinnitus in my ear gets worse when I'm highly anxious. So I also felt like avenues like Panda and things like that weren't working for me. They didn't work. And after I'd been to 3 million psychologists and um, all that sort of stuff, I was like, how come none of this is working for me? Like what, what, what do I need to do to get right? And I felt like for me, you know, the whole thing was the sleep deprivation that was causing me all of this grief. And, you know, in battle, they can often use uh, sleep deprivation as a torture tactic when they're trying to get information out of their... um, Enemy, yeah. Enemy, yeah, thank you. And so I don't know what you have to do, but you either need to set boundaries from the very beginning and say to your partner, you have to help me or you have to just realise that either one person has to be sleep deprived and the other person has to hold up the fort during the day. Or like, I don't know, it's it's so different for so many different people. Like Pete, we have an agreement, Pete does the dream feed. Anything after the dream feed, I take care of. Like if Claudette or Clementine wakes up, at any time of morning slash night, I'll get up and do it, the settling. But that takes its toll. It really does take its toll. I found after five months with both children, Claudette being the most difficult out of them both, that Masada for me Mm. was just an absolute godsend. I went to sleep school. That's what Masada is, Masada Private Hospital. It has an early parenting centre unit 
and they specialize in, I don't know, like sleep training. I say inverted commas because that's pretty much what it is. You can't sleep train your kid before that. I'm almost certain of it. But you can get on a routine and routine will save your sanity. I don't care what anyone says and I thought in the beginning before I had kids to anybody that had a routine what a loser look at this person like they're just they they don't have a life come out to lunch oh no I can't come out to lunch because my kid goes to sleep at midday for two hours and it's got to be in their cot I thought are you serious but here I am I'm that person I'm that person who's saying can't come to lunch because my child goes to bed at midday and it is not in the pram, it's in the cot. And you needed that and that's fine. I, I need that yeah. because I don't give a shit about lunch. What I care about is going to bed after that dream feed and not waking up. I don't want any of my kids to wake up. And if I've ruined their day sleeps, sometimes that can affect the night. So, you know, it's whatever works for you. If you're a go-with-the-flow person, whatever. I have some friends that don't really get affected by the sleep deprivation but for whatever reason it's affected me to the point where I have the anxiety diagnosis and this time around paranoia where I have thought that people are breaking into my house I've thought like things like Pete's cheating on me like crazy shit like I know he's not cheating on me people aren't breaking into my house but that's what it's done to me. And I was to say, is there any other ways that your postnatal anxiety manifested? Because I feel like for so many new mums, you do get this, you know, all of a sudden, it's the first time in your life that you're caring for another human. Like there's obviously some levels of anxiety are normal. How did you know that, fuck, this has gone too far, like I need help? Because I couldn't stop crying. And uh, this was with Clementine. I couldn't stop crying, but also I'm an anxious person anyway, and I've always just dealt with my anxiety. But for somebody that's quite sure of themselves and, you know, calls a spade a spade, to then be in a heap on the floor crying um, over actual spilt milk, but like to the point where you, you're inconsolable, something's got to give. You, you, that's when you're like, all right. I've got to get help Um, and if I have to try medication, then I've got to try medication because I couldn't, I I myself couldn't help myself out of it. Only the medication could. So maybe the medication was the bridge, um, even though it didn't work for me, that that was the circuit breaker that allowed me then to help myself beyond that. But also Masada was a, a circuit breaker for me too. They were the midwives there and the nurses and the doctors are very supportive. It's not an easy stay. It can be stressful, but you know that you're there for a reason and that is to get your sleep back and and to get your life back and to get your child on a bit of a, a schedule and that can't hurt. Yeah, one of my family members swears by Masada. She waited till about 13 months the first time because she was just at a wit's end. And then with her second child, I swear she went in at like four or five months because she was just like, I can't. Yeah, but I feel like with most sleep training, you do have to be at a wit's end before you get to yeah. the point where you're like something else has to change. And she yeah. thought that Masada was going to be such a drastic step that she's like, no, I need to be at breaking point before I go. But then once she went the first time, she was like, oh, that was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. And she went there straight away the second time and she just said it was magic. Don't get yourself to breaking point. Hmm. 
don't do it because the breaking point is not a good place to be. It's awful, you know. I didn't try that technique, but I did go to a place where they were doing like a sleep school and the only time that Mia slept during the day was at the sleep school. And I'm like, this is a ripoff. Like you're (laughs) bluffing everyone right now and you're going to go home and you're just going to do exactly what you normally do. And she did. And yeah, so she just continued being like high maintenance. And then I ended up making up my own rules for the next two kids. And I would literally get, and it was confidence of a mother. Like, you know, the first child, I'm like, I don't know what to do. Second child, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do this. And the third child, I'm like, you got no choice. This is what we're doing. And I would put headphones in and I'd have a screensaver that would say, never give up. And every time that child cried, I would literally put music on and block them out of my ears because my milk would pour out of my boobs or I would definitely break and go in there. And I would wait three minutes if she was still crying, I'd go in and soothe. I'd come back out and then I'd put my headphones back in. I was like, there has to be a mental balance for me so I don't break. And for me, it was the headphones for a certain amount of time. I didn't sleep all night and have a great sleep and leave my child to cry. I had moments so I could cope with her crying. Yeah, it's the crying that breaks you. It is because it's it's you don't want to hear your own child cry. I could listen to anyone else's child cry and it doesn't really bother me. <laughs> like it doesn't. I'm not going to be like whinging about Well, I would whinge about it, but I'm not going to be that upset about it. When it's mine, I know it's my responsibility. The only person that's going to be able to calm that down is me and I had to put up boundaries for myself to make that work so the next day I was in a state that I could function. Yeah, 100%. But sleep deprivation, like I put my head through a wall. I was standing up waiting for like one of my babies to cry one night and I fell asleep and just head butted a cement wall because I fell asleep standing up. And that's when you go, like that's my breaking point. Like I've had enough now. I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah, that's not, that's not okay. No, it's not on. A few brain (laughs) cells were harmed, but I'm all right. Oh, my God. And isn't it wild that, you know, you're not the only one that's going through that? Like everyone, I mean, other women are too, but but that still doesn't make it any better. No, because you're by yourself at night. Like it's one thing to know other women are going by it, but you're not all in the same hallway headbutting the same wall. Like you're all in your separate hallways falling into your walls. And That's why I think Masada was good because you're all in the same hallway. Mm. You're all looking at at each other going. I feel you. Yeah. And I totally feel you and come on, like we're here for a reason, so let's do it. And then you form bonds with those women so that when you go home and, you know, you're trying to do the selling techniques during the day or at night, you're texting each other going like, yeah. fucking 3am, I'm up, I'm, I'm in the hallway, I'm, you know. And so there is that tangibility there. Whereas, you know, you read the Instagram posts, no, you're not alone. And there are other mums doing it, you know, you're like. But where are they? Yeah. yeah where are they? Like, let's come on. Come to my house and we can all do it together. Yeah. Yeah, and I hate the shame that there is around sleep training too. Like if you don't feel like you need it, then that's fabulous. If you don't feel, as we said before, if you don't feel like you need a routine, that's fabulous. But other people, I was someone who needed it. And my children are happy, attached, bonded 
kids and they had a happier mother for it. 100%. No, you have to look after yourself because if you're fucked, you cannot give appropriate care to your children and your family. No. It's the simple truth. Yeah, it is. I only only recognise that the second time around. How do you juggle the nap-sleep schedules, especially if they demand being rocked? I mean, obviously you've gone to sleep school and they, I assume, not getting rocked to sleep. But what what do you do? What's your method? There were a lot of people asking how. How do you get them both down both to of sleep? Them. Bath time included. Like what? How's it, how are we juggling it? Well, there's no right or wrong answer. Like it's a personal thing. You know, it's like, again, we go back to the scheduling. So uh, my goal is both children wake at 7am and both children go to bed at 7pm. And so then I deal with my day with those goals in mind. So, you know, if Claudette has woken up at six, I'm not getting her out of bed until seven, even if she's crying, I will go in and I'll do the settling techniques until 7am, even if it kills me. Mm. Because she needs to know that you are not calling out to me until it's 7 a.m. Clementine knows. She already knows that. So she'll wake up at 6.30 and she'll lay there until 7 a.m. and wait. So their days start at 7 a.m. Yeah. Uh, And then, you know, I just go by the awake times. Clementine's on one sleep now. So, you know, she's a lot easier. But with Claudette, it's a two-hour awake time. So from 7 a.m., you know, you can do the math. If one sleep goes for like a little bit later and, you know, I have to put her in bed by 7.38, then that's okay. But the bedtime is between 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. I run a tight ship, ladies. That's how I do it. Mm -hmm. I'm not like I, I do sacrifice a lot in that I don't, I'm not going out to lunches and things like that. But at the moment, because I need to get this right, because once I get this right, then I know I'll have freedom moving forward. Mm. And my child isn't going to be, you know, making me stay home because they can't sleep and I can't get anyone to look after them because they won't sleep for anybody else. So I spend a lot of the first six months getting the sleeping and the routine in check so that I can then have my freedom moving forward. And come six months, it's like I can. I'm there now. I can do it now. Absolutely. And I think this is just an example of you just, you make it work. You've made it work for you. Like I was home on my own all weekend with my two girls. And even though they both were sleep trained, now that they're four and two and a half, they're way more picky. Like, you know, they put up way more of a fight with bedtime. And so Goldie, my two and a half year old, wanted me in the room while she fell asleep. So what did I do? I just said, Poppy, go lie in my bed, watch the iPad for 20 minutes while I just put Goldie to sleep. Of course, it's not optimal for her to be having an iPad for 20 minutes before she's about to go to bed. Did I have another choice? No, just lie down with the iPad. I'll come put you to bed in a second. Like you just have to do, yeah. But going on the, the nighttime, the bath time thing to answer that question, I make sure that Claudette's sleep is like, She's on three sleeps. So it's two sleeps and a combat kip, a power nap or whatever you want to call it. It's like 45 minutes. So that 45 minutes is when I'm preparing dinner and Pete's bathing Clementine. Yeah. So this is when 
you know, if you're with somebody else and you're not a single parent, this is when you then start divvying roles. If you're a bloke or your missus or whatever cooks better, then they do dinner and you do the bath. But I'm the cook, so I do the dinner. He does the bath. Or sometimes I do both. But it's when Claudette is sleeping that I do all of that in the 45 minutes. And then when Claudette wakes up, either Clementine's eating dinner or she's playing and that's when I bathe or Pete bathes Claudette. So it is, you know, I run a tight ship and I've had so many fights with Pete over this. It's not like, oh, my God, easy breezy cover girl at Ash Pollard's house. No way, (laughs) Jose. Like we've nearly divorced over this shit. Because he wants it to be more relaxed or. Yeah, and I'm like, listen, if you want it to be more relaxed, then you get the fuck up at yeah. night time and you do the settle <laughs> or you come home and you do the settling because the reason why we have these things in place is so that in time it is easier on us yes. yeah and children are obsessed with scheduling yeah like they, they thrive I don't want it. to use that word but they love knowing what's coming next yes they absolutely do and the juggle is real like that is it all you're doing is juggling and you try and get it right. You, you're most likely going to get it wrong and then you're going to learn from those mistakes and then you're going to find these little hacks along the way that work for you and you could listen to a million podcasts or you can listen to just one really good one or you could listen <laughs> to, you know, people and their opinions. But at the end of the day, you're doing it with your kids, you find your own rhythm and you do it because you have to like and that's what it is it's yeah opinions and it's their own way of doing it that's it doesn't mean my way is going to be good for anybody else listening it might be good for some people but it's it's all to do with your own personality and and Mm. you know what fits for you and what fits for you like remember we were having this discussion the other week if baths at bedtime are not working for you do them in the morning. Yeah. Or like, you know, like if. It, or skip it. There's so many things that are like um, ingrained in us that have to happen at a certain time. And sure, if that's part of your schedule, then do it because it works for you. But if you're also like at your wits end and you're like, oh my God, this bath before bed is like sending me to an early grave, do it in the morning or do it every second day or whatever. Like it, it, it they, these things like don't have to happen. Mm. And I think too, initially when you have two under two, it is extremely hard. I can't tell you how hard it is. It is so hard and it's so overwhelming and it's all over the place and it's very difficult to get a schedule in the beginning. It's just fucked. Like you can't say I want my kid to get up at seven and go to bed at seven in the early days. It's no, like you just can't can't and you just have to succumb to that and know that as time goes by you'll get the hang of it it's like riding a bike it takes time but suddenly you get into the groove and then you're grooving and then you get on grooving and then a development happens and you hit a road bump and you fall <laughs> you off backwards. a bike and then you, you go again, again, again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and about those developments, don't follow that Wonder Weeks app. Fucking delete <laughs> it immediately. That uh, honestly, I nearly did my head in with that thing when Clementine was born. I downloaded the app because someone was like, oh, this guy um, did this test on monkeys and it's just like babies and all their milestones. And I was following that calendar. It sent me and into a, a storm. Spin. 
I was like, fuck me, it's storm time. Oh, my God, what are we going to do? Like, <gasps> Yeah, before it even storms. Yeah, and, like, dumb because I shouldn't have even been stressed because some of the storms didn't even come, did they? Or they cry once and you're like, fuck, it's the storm's hit, it's hit, and then you're like, oh, no, they're actually just hungry. Like, <laughs> Just don't do that. Just don't get that out. There's no point. I hated it. You loved it, didn't well, you? Well, I just I loved it for the it. excuses that you could say. Like I would say, oh, she's crying. Yeah, it's developmental. I still say it now. I'm like, yeah, I'm she's 34. And, oh, it's developmental. I'm like there's always an issue. It's developmental. <laughs> do you have a storm over you this week? I do. Period <laughs> You've got storm. your period, yeah. so you do have a storm I over do. you. I do. It's yeah. developmental. So. <laughs> it's all cyclical. because they're a kid, yeah. so, Yeah. <laughs> How do you find time or do you not currently for yourself and Pete? <laughs> yeah, someone said, do you have sex? We were getting there. I was, you know, I was like getting my way into the question. Listen, we've been so scared to be intimate because we don't want to fall pregnant because mm. quite obviously we're like Very crazy. Fertile. But, look, we haven't found time for ourselves. We've been in a very dark spot for a long time, six months to the dot, because two under two is you forget about each other. You just, I mean, we have forgotten about each other totally and we haven't liked each other. It's been very hostile for a long time and, you know, underneath it all, I absolutely love Pete to death. You know, he's just the best thing since sliced bread. And I know he thinks the same thing about me, but just sometimes at the moment we don't. And we we see someone and I have now decided that we can't live like this any longer because, you know, we have two beautiful children together and I remember the t- times before we had kids, how in love with each other we were. So we've got a couples therapist. Um, I have now, I'm, I make it my purpose to do like, this is so lame, but like the date night or day or afternoon once mm-hmm. a month. I know it's only once a month, but it's still something. He never initiates them and that pisses me off to no end, but someone has to do it. So I've got to do it. And I need to just get over the fact that it's going to be me doing it. So I do that. And when we have that time together, like we went and saw um, Top Gun. Oh, how good is it? (gasps) Ripper of a movie. Far out. We had so much fun sitting there, not talking to each other, but like in the comfy chair. And oh, my God, it was good. Did you have a wine? Can I say how good the movies are as a date? I just want to put this out there. We have only gone to the movies once on a date since we became parents, so over four and a half years ago. And I used to think, what's the point of paying a babysitter to come and look after my kids while they're asleep and I'm sitting in a chair watching a movie? Like I can just do it at home. But it's so good because there's not that pressure to catch up on everything you haven't been catching up on. Like, you know, sometimes when you're just so tired and you're like, I actually don't want to sit down in front of you and talk because I can't be bothered. Can we just sit next to each other, hold hands, fill our face with popcorn, drink Coke and just watch a movie and not talk and have a laugh like oh good it's so worth the babysitting money yeah yeah how good is it most expensive movie you've ever yeah. seen <laughs> it's so worth it so worth it. and just 
to remind yourself of what it was like before kids and what it can still be. Yeah. Like don't be disheartened by how hard it is having children. And, you know, if you're not enjoying it, that's okay. That t- that will pass, you know, and you actually do have to make the effort to go on those dates and have the time without children. And it's not in your house. You've got to leave the house. 1,000%. Now, Ash, last question. Knowing what you know now, would you do the close age gap again or would you have a bigger one if you could choose? I hate that question. Because mm, she can't change it. And I don't like, have. I don't have like regrets or anything like that. And I don't like thinking about what could have been. It just, it is what it is. That's And that in itself is a really lame saying too sometimes. It is what it is. I feel like for me this is exactly how it had to be and sometimes I have felt like I wanted to change it, the the gap, because it's just been so hard. But, you know, it's hard now but I feel like in a little bit it's going to be awesome. It's going to be so fucking cool because they're going to be close they're going to be besties I hope and you know Pete and I will have two cool girls that we're going to go and do fun shit with and that's that like I can't I don't know what it's like to have children that are a different um age Uh, how do you say that like like that that. it's fine we get what you're saying (laughs) we get it I don't know so I don't I don't know. Do you know what? I think so much, I know we've just done a freaking entire podcast on two under two, but so much emphasis is put on age gaps. And I think that we have to realise that there's pros and cons to every age gap. And also often age gaps are actually not within our control. So you did not plan for this age gap. It has happened and you're living with that because you really don't have much of a choice. Some people want a close age gap, go to conceive their second child. It takes longer than they expected, or they may have a miscarriage or whatever it is. I think it's like put to us as though we can just like pick this date out of it. It's it's like when people go, oh my God, you're having another summer pregnancy. It's like, like, I'm not planning out my pregnancy for like what season I'm going to be in when I give birth. Like we don't actually have that much control. And I think there's pros and cons to each of them. Like mine are 23 months apart, but they're now four and a half and two and a half. And it's great. I can take one pair of spare clothes out and they both fit into them. They like the same toys. They like the same TV shows. They eat the same things. They play together. They fight together. Like But it was fucked at the start. Like it would go from all three of us being happy at home to all three of us crying in the space of 10 seconds. It was fucked. But it probably also would have been fucked if I had a five-year-old and a newborn as well. (laughs) Like, And I can actually confirm that it is. There is no right or wrong age gap. Every child is different. That's the thing that we're missing here. Every child is different to your other child. They have different needs. They have different cries. One's louder, one's quieter, and it is hard. It's all hard work. Motherhood and parenting is hard work, but is it worth it? 1,000% yes, it is. Most of the time, yes. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just think, you know, if you can, if you want to have your kids close together, then you know, be very aware that you are going to have probably some of the hardest months of your life ahead of you. 
But that's not to discredit other people who have had um, children with a bigger gap and they feel the same. Like it's just about who you are as a person because some people cope and others don't. So I don't really know. I mean, often people, they're always like, George, it's just so fucked. And it is because they're like twins but not because Mm. they're so close in age but they're at different milestones and that's what makes it terribly difficult. But you, for whatever reason, you just learn to cope. And I reckon the first six to 12 months will be the hardest I've ever done. And then coming out of that, I reckon we'll be good to go. Yep, for the third. You won't be able to stop, Ash. She'll be out on the town. She'll be at all the events. I think I'll be getting a surrogate for my third. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for being so open about the last couple of busy years of your life. Thanks so much for having me, girls. It's been a pleasure. Oh, you've been an absolute pleasure and we're very humbled that you came on and shared your story with us today and our listeners. So thank you. You're most welcome. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.